1: Live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. This is Fast Money. I'm Courtney Reagan in this evening for Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup Guy Adami, Karen Feinerman, Dan Nathan and Nadine Turman. Tonight on Fast, the big warning for small caps. The chart master sees trouble fueling, brewing in the charts. Carter Worth is here to break down the trade. Plus, Foot Locker plunging today despite a big beat. We'll tell you what set Foot Locker into the hurt locker today. And later, our chart of the week the mega cap stock on a stealth tear. It's closing in on a new all time high. The name? and how to trade it that's straight ahead. But we start with a new wave of COVID concerns. The broader market on edge today as Austria declares a nationwide lockdown and Germany puts new restrictions in place for the unvaccinated. Back here in the US, new cases are starting to tick up. The seven day average is up 31% in the last two weeks. The news putting pressure on the reopening trade. Cruise lines down nearly 8% in the past five sessions. Casinos, airlines, and movie theaters also all seeing big losses. Well, what worked this week? Good old tech. The Nasdaq closing above 16,000 for the first time ever. So let's break down the real risks to the market. Guy, what, if anything, do these new COVID headlines give you as far as worry? Are you concerned? Why are we selling off now and not before? Is it just a head fake? What's going on?
2: As a human being, I think we're all concerned, clearly. But our task is to try to talk about the market. And I would say that You know, for better or for worse, the markets have learned how to deal with these COVID headlines. Now, you bring up correctly the sell-off in some of these names. Some of those names that you mentioned probably got a tad ahead of themselves. But I think the market will learn to shrug this off for better or for worse. I'm sure I'll get added out of Twitter for saying that. But that's just the reality. In terms of what is working, it's been working for a while. I mean, the big cap tech names that we've talked about seemingly forever continue to grind higher. And I think people are finding valuations in some of these names, like a Qualcomm that we've talked about, really interesting. So I think some names have acquitted themselves really well. I think there's been a bit of a rotation. I'm surprised at how poorly the banks have traded, but maybe that makes sense in light of what you just mentioned earlier.
1: Nadine, I saw you nodding. I know the viewers can't quite see you all the time, but what do you make of what happened today and how that plays into your playbook for next week?
0: Well, we look at the virus count so you know we all woke up to headlines that austria is shutting down and a number of european countries are you know their counts are making all time highs but look at the hospitalizations they're at a third of the prior pre vaccination peaks and so example in germany the current case count is at 169% the prior peak but hospitalizations are only at 30% so what does that say that vaccini- vaccinations are appearing to hold the line and so at the current vaccination rate, three-fourths of the world live vaccinated pretty much all of their adult population by the year end. And so when we see these headlines about Austria or maybe Germany contemplating some rules, like we just kind of fade that and say, you know, overall we're in a much better position than what we've seen in the past. And as Guy said, from a human perspective, it's still troubling, it is worrisome, but from a market perspective, we fade that type of news.
1: Right. And of course, case counts are one thing, hospitalizations are something else. It seems this vaccine does help very much avoid those hospitalizations and the worst case scenario for many adults. So that's good news. Dan, what do you make of the action today?
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, the S&P 500, this is the same conversation we had last night. There's a lot of really nasty action going on, but the market is basically unchanged here. Why? Well, Apple closed at a new all-time high today. Microsoft closed at a new all-time high. That's $5 trillion in market, uh, market cap alphabet was trading a new all-time high this morning Nvidia a new all-time high you get the drill here this is the same trade that's been going on for about a year there have been a lot of rotations that we've seen I know we're going to talk about energy uh, the transports were a bit of a disaster today they can't get going so there's a lot of parts of the stock market that don't trade well should oil and some of these other groups be reacting to this sort of headline I don't know I mean I think that if you look at the Russell 2000 we're going to talk about small caps a little bit um, do they have any exposure to Austria Uh, Austria? I don't really think so. 75% of their revenues come from the U.S. here. So the real concern whether we're going to have further supply chain dynamics that are kind of causing some apprehensive uh, apprehension about growth going forward Um, I don't know I mean I just think that this is the problem here the S&P 500 you're looking at the wrong thing if you're trying to figure out what the gauge is of the fear related to further COVID headlines I think we're by it I think we got to move on from it Um, and then the global economy needs to get reopened here.
1: Karen, what do you think about today's move? Overdone, based on the news out of Austria? The small caps, I think, as Dan is right, had very little to do with Austria.
4: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, as far as I know, very little to do. But I agree with uh, what Guy said at the top of the show. So there's two different things. There's, you know, the human story and that Mm -hmm. isn't really our endeavor. It's more what is the market going to react in what way? And I agree with him. I think we're just getting a to that to that story. And we also have, you know, data that shows that we can handle the virus much, much better. And so even if there is some slowdown, I don't think the market perceives this as, you know, a, a Delta variant. Hopefully we don't see another thing like that. But the market just looks at it as, you know, for example, Boeing, they keep delaying the Dreamliner. The story gets less and less bad every time. And I think this is similar to that. We're, we've seen this news. We've seen this, uh, you know, work out a few times. And so I think that big pullbacks on this would be an opportunity to buy.
1: Karen, I know that you were focused a little bit on the action in the banks. Anything that you want to point out to our viewers as we're looking into next week, the shortened trading week, what you saw today that may portend some action next week?
4: So I think that the banks sort of overreacted, I I think, overreacted a little bit on um, this idea of economy slowing and rates moving to the downside a little bit. I think they're still very attractive. I think that I think inflation's here, and so I think the Fed is on course to do, certainly to start tapering and then ultimately to start raising rates. And I do think there is some uncertainty around who the next Fed chair will be. I think if it's, I think if it's Powell, I think that. the the banks will do better. I think uncertainty hasn't been good for them, but I feel like they're cheap regardless of who ends up being the new Fed chair. So I like I like the banks. I think there's decent value here in a few of them. I own J.P. Morgan City, Wells and Bank of America.
1: And as we're talking about rates, if you think that rates are heading higher from here, Nadine, you've got a way to play
0: it. So we've got trade school in session. Nadine, take it away. Thanks, Courtney. So today, I shorted a bit of the TLT and the XLU. So that's the 20-year treasuries and the utilities. Or alternatively, you could go long financials, and here's why. So number one, yields are down and bond-like securities are up. So we've seen financials get hit more percent. So that's the XLF. In the past month, so that's since October 22nd. And alongside long-term treasury yields, I was looking at the 20-year, declining about 5.5%, and then in a rhyming move, utilities, which is a bond-like se- sector, has been moved up meaningly from the early November lows. And so is tech run up, as we just talked about, and with the NASDAQ at all-time highs. So that's number one, as you've seen this big move. Number two, the macroeconomic setup short-term is positive for long-term rates. Our team believes that there's a growth uh, an acceleration of GDP and an inflation near term. What is that called? Reflation. So we think the reflationary trade still will be back in session soon. Uh, and that means there'll be upward pressure on long-term rates. And then the third is technicals are in your favor. As Karen just said, banks are down, you know, uh, the yields are down, and sometimes positions just get overbought or oversold. So when we see such a quick move in rates, we decide to fade that trade. So it's not as juicy as the last time I recommended this trade, but the TLT is at 11% discount, so implied volatility discount. It means that people are are really complacent right now, not paying for protection. If you want the best short on the TLT, you could be a little bit more patient than me and short it if it hits 150, spot 80. And if you just want to go long and don't want to do any shorts, again, kind of like Karen said, financials are overdone in terms of the downside. You could just buy the XLF. So there's some trades for you if you think that rates are going up.
1: I like it. Guy, what do you think about Nadine's approach here?
2: (laughs) I think it's great. And last time Nadine talked about this, 10-year yields had traded down to 143 inexplicably. And she talked about that. And a week later, maybe less than that, they were north of 161. So That worked out really well. Obviously, we haven't seen rates trade down to that level, but I think her thesis is spot on. Again, I can't really say why rates are down here. Maybe Karen sort of hit the nail on the head. This Lale Brainerd news maybe spooks some people. I get that. But for all the things that I'm watching, 10-year yields should be significantly higher than they are now. So I think she's spot on with her trade.
1: We also want to check out the move in oil today, crude falling three and a half percent. And if you caught the show last night, you heard the chartmaster sounding the alarm on an oil pullback. Now, Carter is back with a new warning, this time on small cap. So let's get to Carter Worth of Worth Charting to break it down for us. Hi, Carter.
5: Hi there. Thank you. Thank you for remembering a good one. I have all (laughs) my duds, too. But uh, anyway, let's uh, just drill down a bit first numerically and then in uh, pictorial form charts on the Russell 2000. Look at the first slide here. What this depicts, of course, is simply 10 weeks into the year on the March 12th uh, juncture, the IWM was up 19% and the SPI was up six. Now look at the next table. This is not 10 weeks in, this is 10 months in. So at present, IWM still up 19% and the SPI not up six, up 25. And so third of three, look at the next table. What we know is basically since March 12th, March 15th, the Russell 2000 is unchanged. It's a long time. Whereas, of course, the S- SPY, the market is up some 19, 20%. So looking at those numbers, let's look at them in pictorial form. Let's look at the chart. So what we have, of course, is that gray run up off the pandemic low. Uh, blowing away the S&P, and then this great sideways action. And what's important is that slight breakout that is failing. And that is what is known as a false breakout. I don't think it has legs. I think it's just sort of stuck here, and there's no reason to be long absolute. Now, two more charts. Look at the next one. It's a two-panel. Same chart on the top, IWM depicting the tight range that has ensued after the big run-up. But look at the bottom panel. The relative performance, the S&P, that's what it's all about, has been straight down since. And so final chart, just put that same two panel long term. That's a 10 year chart. What we know is the top is making new highs. That's the Russell 2000. But the relative performance to the broad market, the SPY, the SPX, has been nothing but a disaster. And it made new shocking lows during COVID. And even though it bounced, it never could really get back on its feet. Um, We think small caps are a trap.
1: Hmm, small caps are a trap. Thank you very much, Carter. I like the graphics and then the pictorial form. All right, Dan, I'm going to give you the first crack at it. What do you make of Carter's trade here?
3: I never go against Carter's traits here and I will tell you if you think the small caps are trap, then the S&P 500 is just the biggest mouse trap ever known to man because we know that there's about six stocks holding that whole thing up and we just spent the better part of the last few shows over this week talking about all the poor performance in so many different groups. Carter just highlighted a really um, sensitive group to economic expectations and that sort of thing. We just talked about small caps here. So the S&P 500 has to be a much bigger problem, in my mind, than the Russell. The Russell could leave this lower. It's not likely to underperform on the downside, in my opinion. It has underperformed. but What I'm saying is, if we're going to get a sharp sell-off, it's going to happen because the biggest names in the S&P 500 are going to happen, or they're going to go down quicker than the uh, small caps, in my opinion.
1: Karen, what do you make of this trade by Carter and the charts, what it potentially spells out for a warning for the small caps?
4: Well, I'm a little disappointed he didn't say to the penny, because I always love it when <laughs> Carter says to the penny. But I think it's interesting what he's saying. It makes me think about it a little. I don't, I don't view the Russell as, you know, one monolith. I like to try to find things in it that I think are idiosyncratic that I hope will outperform. But it does make me think, all right, when I looking to hedge my portfolio, maybe I ought to use more, a little bit more of a Russell weighting than I have <laughs> to hedge it if he's so bearish on the Russell. Hmm.
1: Got it. Well, still ahead, we are breaking out next week's game plan. Just because it's Thanksgiving doesn't mean it will be a boring week. The four key names to have on your radar and later our chart of the week, this company adding roughly $80 billion in market cap just since Monday. No one really seems to be talking about it. We are. We'll tell you about this stock stud when Fast Money returns. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a buzzkill on Foot Locker. Shares sinking almost 12 percent despite the retailer posting an earnings beat before the bell. The company saying it expects global supply chain constraints to persist throughout the quarter. Karen, what are your thoughts on this move, though? I think we all knew that the supply chain issues were going to persist through this quarter and maybe through a lot of next year. Why in the world the sell off today?
4: Well, that's a good question. I mean, we talked about this supply chain issue when Nike announced and the market really sold off in October, thought Foot Locker was a buy there in the mid-ish 40s for a trade, sold it at a 50, which was way too soon. It went to 57. So maybe it's a little ahead of itself. But I think the market should have expected some commentary like this. It's not like this was a high flyer with a super, you know, big PE multiple here. So I'm surprised at the magnitude of the market's reaction, They had a very good quarter, their gross margins were excellent. Which shows how little promotional activity they needed to have. So selling at full price, they did say they expect that to moderate going for at some point. They didn't say when. That's not surprising <laughs> either. You put all that together when the you know when the multiple is eight and they have a bunch of cash. I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued to get back in. You know, it was down seven bucks today on a you know not great tape. So I figure I'll wait till early next week. But. I like it. And I like I don't know if you saw Sarah's interview with the CEO. She said, why the reaction? And he's sort of, I don't know. I just sell shoes. <laughs> I, I mean, I think he's just, you know, trying to be a little conservative, sticking to what he knows best. I like it. I'm going to look at it on Monday.
1: All right. All right. We're going to follow up with you. I mean, the one thing I noticed, too, is that the digital sales were down 4.6 percent year over year. That was the only retailer that reported lower digital sales. For the quarter of this past week that i noted but we're going to follow up on that one we do have a short trading week coming up as you mentioned but it's jam-packed with the sizzling slate of earnings before thanksgiving hits let's set the table with the with our stock traders and what we're watching ahead of next week so look at this we've got urban we've got zoom we've got jack in the box we got best buy we got dollar tree nadine kick us off what do you like
0: i'm looking forward to listening to zoom and it's less about Zoom, but more about what are their competitive dynamics with Microsoft Teams. Our view, and we've been a, a long-standing holder of Microsoft, is that they might have um, depressed up-market seat penetration because Microsoft's been a top choice when companies are consolidating. And I totally get that you know, they've got a lot of smaller companies, but that's been declining in terms of the growth rate, accelerating or decelerating. It's been decelerating, so they really need to go up-market. Um, so from a technicality though, you know, if you're trading Zoom itself, shares are down 26% since the second quarter print. It's been materially underperforming the sector with sentiment quite weak. So you know, I wouldn't be going against um, anybody long here. I would say you know, stay neutral if you're trading Zoom because uh, there's a risk of a short squeeze. But I am most interested in learning about Microsoft from the Zoom call. Hmm.
1: Guy, what about you? What are you setting your table with?
2: The- Yeah, Dollar Dollar Tree had that huge move from 113 to 136, having had a pretty big move to the upside prior on that Mantle Ridge investment. They report next week. I'm watching to see if their earnings release will hold up and keep the stock at these levels. I think that's going to be really fascinating to see how that stock trades. And then I'll go downstream to see the rest of the space. I don't want to give away my final trade, but I think Dollar Tree is going to be a great tell for some of those other names in the space.
1: Okay, good one. Dan?
3: Yeah, Best Buy is interesting to me. The stock is rallied about 35% in a little less than two months. It feels like in a straight line here. Obviously, expectations are pretty high. So what they have to say um, about the consumer is going to be really interesting to me. And I'd also say about Zoom, you know, that stock is down 25% of the year, down more than 50% from its all-time highs made earlier this year. I can't see, yeah, I can see a short squeeze, but I can't see too many Fundamental reasons or reasons that they're going to have to say why that stock should rally. So the slightest miss and that thing's going lower. It's at 52 week lows right now.
1: Hmm. Karen, you biting on Zoom or something else look more appetizing to you for next week? I actually I agree. I think Zoom is most interesting. I
4: think it's a combination of um, pandemic being over, right? Are we what kind of what kind of revenue growth are they seeing? So that's interesting to me. But the other part is sentiment about pandemic winners. And is that over? So we saw Peloton get annihilated. You know the sentiment is definitely changing there. Some of it, of course, is Peloton's own doing. But that's interesting to me. If you if Zoom has the same reaction, then I think we'll see more pressure on the IGV, which is the real high flyers that have done so well in the pandemic.
1: Okay. Well, up next we reveal our chart of the week. This mega cap stock has been on a quiet tear, up nearly four and a half percent since Monday. The name and the trade ahead. You're watching Fast Money live from the NASDAQ Market Site. We're back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time to reveal our chart of the week. The mega cap stock has been on a stealth tear. It's Amazon up 4.3% since Monday and closing in on a fresh all-time high. Guy, you flagged this move this morning. What is your take? Why is this happening? And how come we haven't been talking about it?
2: Well it's good we should have been talking about I think a lot of it has to do with Rivian one I think also a lot of it has to do with the fact that people are saying, wait a second this market's not going lower anytime soon what's lagging and Amazon sticks out like a sore thumb I think those are the two things at least in my opinion but I got to tell you when we had the conversation the stock was trading around the highs it did not trade well at all today I'm sure Dan can speak to that the fact that we traded up to the prior all time high effectively from July and failed is somewhat problematic I'm not ready to write it off but this has been that stealth move i think for those two reasons but again today's price action in retrospect wasn't particularly good
1: dan what do you make of today's price action
3: Yeah and I also say I mean it's been a huge rally since their disappointing results and that Q4 guidance was very disappointing too back in October so the fact that stock has rallied back to these prior highs I don't think too many people um, saw that coming here and I'd also mention that Facebook had a heck of a day Um, that thing is approaching an important technical level closed up 2% that's been a huge laggard too and that might be a recipient of some of that same sentiment that Guy just mentioned um, as far as Amazon.
1: Nadine, what do you make of the move in Amazon here as a mega cap stock? Is it one that you think we should look at because of all of the businesses that they're tied up in?
0: I think you want to get it a little bit lower. Right now, our technical ranges are showing a 2.7 downside to upside. So I don't like those odds. So I'd want to come back in closer to 3480. So that's more like 5.4% down from here. It's also added implied volatility discounts. So people are being pretty complacent in the options market, not really buying up protection. So you've had your rum. I don't think you have to trim it. You might want to hedge it a little bit, but you can buy it back in lower.
1: Okay, well, it is now time for our final trade already. Let's go around the horn. We're gonna start with you, Nadine.
0: I'm gonna go for Japan, EWJ. The government approved a $490 billion package for stimulus. To the chairwoman, Karen Feynerman.
4: Yes, I think rates are going higher, and I hope banks are going higher, particularly Citibank, letter C.
1: Dan.
3: Yeah, I don't think rates are going higher, um, so I'd be a buyer of the TLT, (laughs) but I'd also be a buyer of the UUP. I think the Dixie, the dollar index, is going to 100.
1: And Mr. Adami.
2: You see my eyes diverting here. My daughter's home from college as she's trying to distract me, which is not cool. It would be cool if she were seven, but at 21, you would think she would know better. Dollar Gen. I think Dollar Tree will be good. Dollar Gen on December 2nd. DG, Courtney.
1: Okay. Thank you very much. All that does it for Fast Money. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today,
2: with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems.